This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Last week on the show, I mentioned, uh, I'm giving you sort of weekly updates as a uh, a true red-blooded Canadian, the progress of my twin boys uh, as they learn to skate their first uh, winter up on skates this year. And uh, this was a skating weekend, to be sure, Friday night at the Aldershot Arena at uh, a nephew's uh, skating party, birthday party, uh, North and Zach up on skates. Once again, Zach not thrilled to be uh, to be out on the ice. North uh, is at the point now where he wants to disregard his, uh, or discard his skating buddy, and he's just all over the ice like a, like a, a madman, a crazy Canuck. And we, we do have helmets for them, <laughs> don't be alarmed. And uh, but Zachary, uh, it wasn't until Saturday in Brantford, uh, visiting my mom, uh, Brantford uh, has a, a lovely little uh, rink right downtown called uh, Harmony Square, and it's just a little tiny uh, skating rink, about the size of the one in uh, uh, in New York City. What's the famous one there, right by the uh, NBC Studios? Uh, uh, you know, by Thirty Rock. Dan, do you know the one I'm thinking of? Anyway, it's a very famous uh, skating rink. They have the big Christmas tree. Anyway. Uh, it was a uh, a hallmark event because Zachary, for the first time, and this is his fifth time out on the ice, took to I- the ice like a natural. And I always know when Zachary is getting onto something because uh, he, he, previously he wanted me to hold him up or pick him up, and uh, this time, the moment I tried to help him, he uh, turned at me and glared at me and said, "Don't touch me, Daddy! Don't touch me! <laughs> I can do this on my own." So. That's uh, that's your weekly report on uh, North and Zach and their skating exploits. Uh, let me quickly, uh, if you didn't catch the Globe and Mail, Canada's national newspaper on Saturday, uh, thank you to uh, Michael Posner uh, with the Globe, a fine writer, 
in fact, he just penned a, uh, a biography of Anne Murray uh, called um, All of Me, I think. Anyway, Michael Posner read a very nice piece on, uh, on um, the show, The Conspiracy Show, and I got a really nice uh, mention uh, in, the, uh, in the article. That was Saturday's uh, Toronto section, I think, of the Globe and Mail. And um, again, thank you to Michael Posner for that. Tonight on the show, three pretty remarkable stories. A little later in the show, Dr. Patricia Doyle uh, will be back. She's uh, feeling much better. Uh, the last time uh, she was scheduled to be on the show, she had another health scare, but uh, uh, touch uh, wood, or in this case, I guess, uh, Formica, she's okay. And uh, uh, she's going to talk about another health scare, though, that involves bats. I know you're thinking, uh, it's uh, the middle of uh, winter, what do we care about bats? And besides, I hate those winged rats anyway. No, 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 no. Bats are uh, essential to... Uh, to our existence, really. As bats go, so too humans go. And there's a, a nasty little uh, disease, mysterious disease, that's killing off bats by the millions, apparently, down in the States, and uh, it's called white-nosed syndrome, and it's moving north. And Dr. Patricia Doyle, our lab gal, uh, will be here to tell us why we all need to be very concerned about that. Now, in the uh, Olympic Games, there are, in Vancouver... Uh, a pavilion for each of the Canadian provinces. There is an Ontario pavilion, and in that pavilion is a Toronto-based startup tech company called Intirazon. The COO is going to join us live from Vancouver in about a, a half an hour or so uh, to talk about a remarkable piece of technology that's been lifted off the pages of a uh, science fiction novel. It's called Thought-Controlled Computing. Imagine being able to control a, a, a computer program or, well, let me give you a specific example. The lights at the CN Tower using brain waves, human thought. In fact, if you look out at the CN Tower and you see the, the lights now because it's lit up, uh, if you see the lights blinking, it's because someone in Vancouver in the Ontario Pavilion is strapped into a chair with electrodes attached to his uh, or her head, and through uh, the use of manipulating alpha and beta waves, simply by human thought, they are controlling how those lights react at the CN Tower, thousands and thousands of miles away. So too the lights at Niagara Falls and uh, the Parliament buildings in Ottawa. If you're uh, around there right now, look out at the lights, and if they're twinking or twinkling or, or blinking or what have you, it's because someone sitting in a chair in Vancouver who's waited in line for two hours at the Ontario Pavilion at the Winter Olympics to sit down and have a chance and get hooked up to one of these thought-controlled programming uh, devices. We'll speak with Trevor Coleman a little bit later. Over the years, I've mentioned uh, an organization called Share International on this show. How to describe them? Well, they're fronted by a, a man by the name of Benjamin Cream, who has been a fixture on late-night radio, probably for close to 20 years. He has been heralding, he's the founder of Share International. They've been described as sort of a, a new-age religious sect. And I believe they are uh, involved in uh, ostensibly good works, charitable, uh, charitable works, and might even have a, 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 an office at the United Nations. I'm not sure about that, but we'll find out. Benjamin Cream has been heralding the arrival of the Maitreya for many, many years. And the Maitreya is 
uh, Share International believes, the Messiah. The Messiah. Well, as long as Benjamin Cream has been uh, out, uh, uh, you know, as the forerunner, I guess, to the uh, the Maitreya, there have been others, uh, predominant, predominantly, I guess, in the conservative Christian uh, movement and, and those that study the Bible, who have been saying that Benjamin Cream is nothing less than the forerunner of the Antichrist, that the Maitreya that he is heralding, the arrival of the Maitreya, is, in fact, the Antichrist. Well, in the New York Times, uh, late last week, an article by uh, Scott James, they are announcing, Share International, that is, they are announcing, finally, the arrival. They have identified who this individual is. This Maitreya, this Messiah, or perhaps, if you will, this Antichrist. There's a, a picture of him. He's, a, he's quite a, a handsome uh, young man, originally from India, I believe. Well, he, his parents are. He's second generation. He's a native of London, but he's now living in, in San Francisco. And uh, suddenly he finds himself an unlikely object of worship, as I say, proclaimed to be the Messiah Maitreya by the followers of this New Age religious sect. His name is Raj Patel, and apparently he fits all of the, the criteria uh, laid out by Benjamin Cream and others, that he is the one. Now, he is disavowing that. He's saying, I am not this person, but uh, the people at Share International will not uh, listen. Let's find out exactly who uh, this uh, Raj Patel is, the Maitreya, and whether, in fact, he is the Messiah or the Antichrist. And we'll also find out a little bit about uh, Share International and to help us along uh, with this is uh, no, uh, no stranger to this program. He is uh, the founder of the Church of Philadelphia of the Internet and the author of Escape 666 and The Answer to Raptures, our good friend, Pastor Harry. Pastor, how are you? Okay, how are you, Richard? I'm well, thank you. First of all, take us back a few years. Um, and I, I believe I, uh, my days when I was wearing a, pr- a talk radio producer hat, not on this side of the mic, I probably booked Benjamin Cream on a few shows. He was making the circuit, pronouncing that, uh, you know, the Maitreya, the, the Messiah, is coming. Uh, who is this Benjamin Cream exactly? Uh, where did he come from? And, and, and tell us also a little bit about his organization, Share International, if you could. Okay, well, what you were saying basically before is very correct. Benjamin Cream exploded on the world scene in 1982. And, and in that year, he claimed that the uh, Maitreya, the world savior, world messiah, is in the world and will soon declare himself. And it was a five-page New York Times blitz. It was, it was, it was in many major newspapers around the country and the world. He came out with a book at the same year, and he was on the talk show circuits, and he was generating a lot of attention for this movement. And um, also, the United Nations in 1982, the same year, the same month, came out with their great invocation, which was supposedly the world prayer. What the U.N. and Benjamin Krim didn't tell us, it was the great invocation of Lucifer, or the devil. And it, it was way back in 1982 that you know, I first discovered, oh, I believe God showed me this, that, that this Maitreya is the biblical Antichrist. Because, um, you know, his name in the Hebrew alphanumerical Bible, the alphanumerical code, calculates the 666 
666, Man Playing God. And um, years later, when I discovered the Bible Code in 1998 and started working with it, I also realized that Maitreya, that name, is encoded with the beast and evil and all these things, you know, in, in the Bible Code itself. All right, uh, Pastor Harry is uh, with us from upstate New York, Church of uh, Philadelphia the, on the Internet. And um, I'm looking at this picture in the New York Times of, uh, of Raj Patel. And it uh, looks like a very uh, uh, a gentle uh, soul, uh, quite handsome, to be sure. And uh, now, why is it that he is being named as the Maitreya? He's disavowing all this. Is it? Listen, I'm, I'm none of these things. I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's a graduate of Oxford, at Cornell University, the London School of Economics. He's considered brilliant. He's rather self-effacing. Uh, why, why are they naming him? Well, you know, I don't exactly know why. I just know that Raj Patel is not the Maitreya. He's not the world teacher who will be the biblical antichrist. I, I I don't know exactly why Benjamin Krim is naming him and playing this game, because he he's almost saying too that when the real one comes, he won't admit that he is. You know what I mean? Now he's saying, well, the real one like won't admit that he is until he's like uh, decides to declare himself on the world scene. But I'm looking at this person. I've I've looked read through the years what Benjamin Krim has written. And he's written many, many times that this world teacher or this Maitreya will come at a time of great world chaos, war, and economic collapse. That has been a major theme of Benjamin Krim since 1982. Pastor Harry, just hold on there. We'll, uh, we'll uh, step away here for a moment, come back. And uh, just to be, again, clear, you're saying that Raj Patel, who has been named by Share International as the Maitreya, is in fact, according to your research, not the Maitreya. Is that right? That's exactly what I'm saying. All right, hold on. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. According to uh, Share International's website, the Maitreya is an ascended master. He is the embodiment of all religious figures rolled into one and is the returned Messiah awaited by all major religions. He comes to usher in a new world religion based on the concept of God is within and uh, he will work closely with the UN, supports a one-world government, speaks of the future peaceful world being essentially a socialistic and anticipates old religions eventually falling apart. The Maitreya uh, has arrived, according to Benjamin Cream and Share International, after 25 years of teasing us. In the New York Times, uh, earlier in the week, they have now announced that the identity of, uh, of this Maitreya is... A, uh, a native Londoner, raised as a Hindu, uh, his name is Raj Patel, and he's now a resident of uh, San Francisco, a, a, a graduate of Oxford, London School of Economics. And um, apparently, he fits all of the criteria, and, uh, you know, the date of birth, the fact that he was born in London, uh, even, I, I believe... 
his his life experiences. Uh, He was taken on a a vacation. Oh, let me me just uh, give you the clues here. His age, according to um, Benjamin Cream, the Mayatre was supposed to be born in 1972. Mr. Patel was. Life experiences. He was supposed to have traveled from India to London in 1977. Mr. Patel was taken on a vacation there with his parents that same year. His race, he's supposed to be dark-skinned. Mr. Patel is Indian. And philosophies all point to him. Uh, Some believe the Mayatre will have a stutter. When Mr. Patel tipped over a few words when talking with... uh, uh, oh, he was on uh, the Colbert Report. When he was on that show, he was, uh, apparently he stammered a little bit. So there you have it. Although uh, Raj Patel is having nothing of this. He's disavowing uh, any of this. Doesn't, he isn't even really familiar with Share International. Uh, Pastor Harry is uh, with us uh, to discuss. And uh, his website is www.satansrapture.com. Okay. So, uh, I'm rather uh, shocked uh, by your pronouncement, uh, Pastor Harry. You're saying that this fellow, Raj Patel, is not, in fact, the Maitreya, and Benjamin Cream is deceiving us. Well, Raj Patel is not, is not the Maitreya. He's not this world messiah. He's not the person that Israel is going to recognize as their long-awaited Hebrew messiah. He's not the person that the Muslim world will embrace as the 12th Iman Mahdi and come together at a, at a table as one. No, he, he's not the he's not the betrayer who's the Antichrist at all. And I think people should listen to him when when he says that he's not. And you know, I've, I've been watching Benjamin Krim through the years. You know, I watched him when I came out with. I'm just saying, back in on six six oh six, I had a big a lot of media coverage. That was, remember, the Antichrist Day, and I announced how this Maitreya is the biblical Antichrist. You know, the Antichrist isn't a politician. He comes as a, as a Messiah, as a, you know, world teacher, as Krim has been saying. And um, Benjamin Krim really, really, really wrote against me from his website. He was really trying to trash and discredit me with that, but he'll never debate me. And I watched him through the years, and suddenly when he came out with this, it was, it was truly puzzling in a way. Because it, it did contradict a lot of what he said. You know, you were reading some of the things he was saying. Even that was taken out of context because um, what Benjamin Krim said in his writing, because he did come out with a book that was very hot for about a year. And then when, when, um, when, when, this, when this world teacher was a no-show in 1982, his book kind of fizzled out very quickly. But even his, in his book and on his site, he said before that this being has taken on human form in 1977. So he's contradicted himself a lot of times. And the only thing I could think, I only see, I've never talked to Benjamin Crane, and he will never discuss anything with me. He'll never debate with me. He'll never come within a thousand feet of a radio from me. I, but that just, you know, so I don't really know him personally. But from what I've gathered, I would say there's one of two reasons why. Benjamin Krim is proclaiming this person as Jai, uh, Raj Patel as the, anti, as the Maitreya. One, he's either deliberately doing this as a hoax to get more and more attention, you know, for his movement, because he did get a lot of attention for his movement. It's all over the Internet. He got a world press conference. So it may be to, to generate attention to his movement. Or the second reason is he just may have gotten his wires crossed. 
you know, he may have gotten maybe a little older as he got older. He may have got more desperate. He may he may have got a little senile. I don't know. But All right, uh, Pastor, uh, stay with us. Uh, we'll take a time out when we come back. Maybe you can tell us then if Raj Patel is not the Maitreya slash Antichrist, then who on heaven and earth is? Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From Thunder Bay to the Carolinas, Maine to Minnesota, and all points in between. Coming at you from our intimate, cozy little studio here at 550 Queen Street East in Toronto, AM740, Zoomer Radio. All right, who is this Maitreya? If it's not Raj Patel, uh, Harry, uh, Pastor Harry, um, who is it? Because I seem to recall uh, uh, photo- photographs uh, published of someone uh, supposedly who was the Maitreya. Uh, looks much older than Raj Patel, is bearded, uh, doesn't look a lot like him. I'm guessing, as I say, would be older. Uh, have you seen those pictures I'm gathering as well? Uh, is that the Maitreya? No, no, it's not. That was another. Uh, that was another um, false. Uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, another part of a deception of Benjamin Krim. And that, that was a more Arabic-looking person. That that picture was up there for about uh, since the year 1999. Of this tall, thin, bearded, Muslim type of person, which is not him either. But you know, it's very possible. You know, I do believe that Benjamin Krim was at one time tapped into the devil. And it's possible that he's just been cut off. You know, he could be out on his own now. He may believe this person is the one, but I, I, I just don't think he knows what he's talking anymore. Maybe he served his purpose, and they just uh, maybe the devil just decided to move on to someone else. Well, let me ask you then, uh, Pastor Harry, what gives you uh, uh, this insight as to, to who is and who isn't the Maitreya? Why are you so convinced that it's not Raj Patel or his predecessor, uh, who, who, I don't know his name, but we've seen his picture on the internet, uh, very tall, almost somewhat resembling an Osama bin Laden uh, type figure, but I don't want to cast aspersions. I don't want to make that connection necessarily, but that's the, you know, the image that comes to mind. And this Raj Patel, as I say, uh, you know, the last thing we want to hang around someone's neck is the Antichrist moniker. I mean, that's, but, uh, why are you so convinced that these two individuals are not? Because of of what they look like and who they are, they're not going to achieve the goal. They're not they're not going to be accepted by all the religions of the world as this world messiah. You know, we live in a world that worships beauty. We we live in a world that, that is mesmerized by you know beauty, the outward appearance of people. And when this when this true being comes, who declares himself as the world teacher, he'll be the most amazing angelic looking being the world has ever seen. You know, I went to the Bible Code. For those that believe the Bible Code, when it, when it predicts events, sometimes events don't happen because, you know, things are changed by people. But when it, a lot of times the Bible Code gives information, you know, the information is, is right, it's dead on. And the name Raj Patel is encoded in the Bible Code along with Mr. Krim, or Krim. And the Bible Code clearly says Raj Patel, Mr. Krim's name's in there, and it says, not the beast, imposter, hoax, fraud. Raj Patel uh, is is uh, is in the Bible codes. Yes, he is, and he's encoded with Benjamin Krim's name, Mr. Krim, Krim, 
and it says Raj Patel, not the beast, imposter, hoax, fraud. Meaning, he may not be perpetrating a hoax or fraud, but he is—he's not the biblical antichrist. And I, I believe what Benjamin Krim used to say would align up with the Bible. That, that, that this world teacher will come at a time of great, you know, economic chaos, social collapse, uh, war, like when Israel will attack Iran. A scenario sort of like that, when all the dominoes fall. Then this angelic-like being will come on the world scene, and when people see him, you know, Benjamin Krim used to even say this with his own words in his in his book, in his book, more the book than his website. But he used to say, when this person comes on the world scene, he'll be so extraordinary, he'll be such an amazing person that people will just know he's someone special and someone to listen to. Pastor Harry is uh, uh, the founder of the Church of Philadelphia Internet. And uh, his website is www.satansrapture.com, uh, satansrapture.com. Uh, now, Pastor Harry, uh, very quickly, in the, uh, the time that remains, uh, several months ago we had you on the program, and one of the things that uh, you were worried about uh, that were revealed to you through the Bible codes was a combination sort of swine flu rabies-type virus uh, that was going to turn... The United States of America into a uh, uh, almost a uh, you know a z- zombie land. You'd have uh, packs of uh, the Walking Dead, you know, f- feeding on uh, on on the living. Uh, just a total nightmare, apocalyptic scenario. Obviously, thankfully, that hasn't come to pass. Are you still concerned about somehow the uh, the, the swine flu uh, combining with a rabies type virus? Yes, I am. The Bible code gave a year for when that would happen. It's 2010. So, it, you know, we could still, as we, as we speak, this virus could be mutating safe throughout the South because they also have a rabies epidemic. So th- this, this could hit, say, at flu season, September, October of this year, uh, just out of nowhere, just as these things do. So, yeah, I'm very concerned about that. You know, we'll, we'll just have to um, wait and see. You know, people real quickly... In the news, almost no one speaks about swine flu anymore. It's almost as if it vanished or disappeared, but it hasn't. You know, it's it's still there, and it's still it's still doing what viruses do. It's still mutating in order to survive and become stronger. So, you know, the swine flu is still out there. The Bible code warns about that. And real quickly, you know, there was a Bible code that someone had sent me in a very a few words, and I did it in, in much more detailed study of it. There is a Bible code that warns on March 1st of a comet impact to Utah, United States, uh, by a comet or a cometary fragment. I, I posted that in January of this year, and February 4th, NASA announced that they're tracking a mysterious comet or cometary fragment that's not following the pattern of, of anything they've ever seen before. And that's on Hubble.org, on NASA Hubble site. So it's very possible in seven or eight days something could be seen or something could happen. All right, and as you've pointed out many times, Pastor Harry, just because something is encoded in the Bible doesn't mean it's necessarily going to come to pass. Uh, it can be uh, averted, and uh, um, let's hope that uh, that's the case with this comet as well. So just to, uh, to recap, uh, for those uh, scoring at home, Raj Patel, uh, the uh, native of London, now a resident of San Francisco, and he's got a, a book atop the New York Times bestsellers uh, list, um, which is called The Value of Nothing, and he was recently on the uh, the Colbert Report 
on uh, the Comedy Central. He is not the Antichrist. I'm sure no one is more relieved to learn that than Raj Patel. Pastor Harry, as always, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Listen, when uh, this is going to be incredibly self-indulgent, but I have to know, the next time you're on, maybe, could I give you a, a really quick homework assignment? Could you sure. see if, if I'm actually uh, somewhere in the, uh, in the Bible codes? Is that? I hope I'm not being blasphemous or sacrilegious in any way to, to no, actually ask that. I, I, will, I will do that, and uh, maybe I'll come back on and talk about what, what happens with this comet or doesn't on March 1st, which is not far away. But no, I'll do a code for I'll see. You know, you probably are in the Bible code because most people who are in the public arena, you know, who, you know whose decisions affect people who are out, you know, reaching a lot of people are in the Bible code because I'm encoded up to my nose, so I would assume you would be, you know. All right. Again, very self-indulgent of me to ask, but hey, when I, why not? When I, when I have uh, experts at my disposal, I might as well uh, take advantage. Again, Pastor Harry, thank you. The website, www.satansrapture.com, and we'll talk to you in a few weeks then. Okay, thank you. All right. Something very uh, exciting happening out in in Vancouver uh, right now during the Winter Games, and it's uh, not. And for my American fans, it's not the fact that the U.S. beat Canada five to two. Ouch! That stings. That stings, doesn't it, hockey fans? However, we will endure. We will overcome. Uh, but we should have, uh, I, I guess, I, I guess, gotten advance notice when uh, we barely squeaked by the Swiss, uh, Canada, the men's uh, hockey team, and. Uh, well, the U.S. goalie, I understand, uh, stood on his head. So that's what happens uh, when you get a hot goalie. I digress. Out in Vancouver, the Winter Olympics, in the Ontario Pavilion, there is an incredible exhibit. People are lined up waiting to sit in this particular chair for two hours and uh, have these uh, little electrodes, I guess, stuck to their, their forehead. And using human thought, brain waves, they are able to manipulate lights Four or 5,000 miles away here in Toronto, Niagara Falls, and in Ottawa. Of course, we have the lights of the CN Tower. If you look out your window now, or if you're driving past them right now, look at those lights. And if they're blinking in a particular configuration, odds are they are being controlled by human thought by someone sitting in a chair in Vancouver in the Ontario Pavilion. This is uh, courtesy of a, um, a Toronto-based uh, tech company called Intirazon. And the COO, Trevor Coleman, uh, joins us on the line live from Vancouver to talk about human or thought-controlled computing. Trevor Coleman, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Listen, first of all, what is this piece of technology actually called? Um, Well, there's a couple different names. Um, We call it thought-controlled computing because it's pretty easy for people to understand. But there's, uh, it's also been referred to as BCI, or brain-computer interface technology. Or, um, the, and the underlying technology is pretty co- uh, familiar to most people. It's EEG, which is electroencephalography. And that's uh, simply just reading the electrical signals that are generated by our brains and uh, analyzing them to understand what's happening inside of people's heads. Now, who, who invented this? Is this an Interazon patent? Uh, well, well, first, uh, our company is actually called Interaxon. I'm sorry. My um, apologies. Interaxon. Okay. Um, but um, the technology, we're actually a solutions provider, so we just uh, integrate uh, the technologies that are produced by other people. Um, there's a company like Neurosky, which manufactures uh, their uh, headset called the Mindset. And uh, there's a company called Emotive in Australia that makes something called the, um, it's the it's, well, it's called the Emotive. Um, and 
what we do is we create the software that reads the signals that are coming out of those uh, headsets and analyze them uh, to determine people's brain states. So you take the you take the actual uh, technology and you create applications for it. Yeah, yeah. We co- we concentrate on designing user experiences um, that use this brainwave control technology and allowing people to control uh, things. There's a lot of this is focused on video games, and our comp- our company really works on bringing this brainwave control technology to the real world. So allowing people to m- move things or turn on lights or or do things in the physical computing space that are, are more engaging and. Um, more real-world effects. Trevor Coleman is the COO of Interaxon, a, a Toronto-based uh, tech company. How long has Interaxon been around? Uh, well, our team, uh, members of our team have been working with uh, thought-controlled computing since about uh, 2003. Um, and the company formed officially uh, two years ago. And then last year we incorporated. So uh, about, it's, you know, it depends on, depends on what, what you're asking, but uh, I'd say... Four years is usually our standard. Right? Okay, so it, let's say I'm 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 uh, out in Vancouver enjoying the uh, the Winter Olympics, and I uh, decide to visit the Ontario Pavilion, and I, I understand the lineup to get in this chair for about two hours. So now uh, I, yep. I I finally arrive. I'm sitting in the chair. Walk me through what happens. Okay, well, uh, first uh, we have hosts. So the host will sit you down, and they'll give you the mind the mindset, which it looks like basically like a pair of headphones uh, with a little arm that comes out. Um, so it's like a telemarketer's headset where you have the microphone in front of your mouth, but instead of a microphone, it's got a, it touches your forehead. Um, so you put that on, and it, they'll coach you through uh, what the system's looking for, which are alpha and beta waves, uh, and they'll show you there's a small training screen. And at first you'll have three minutes on the small training screen uh, to work with the uh, system and to and start to learn how to use the feedback systems to uh, enter and maintain the brain states that we use to control the system. And you're looking for um, alpha and beta waves, correct? Yes. Yeah. So alpha you're giving us a tr- correlated with relaxation. Okay. And beta waves are correlated with concentration. Alpha so, is. Oh, sorry. Um, let me just recap. Alpha is relaxation, and beta is uh, is um, uh, concentration. So those yes. are the two. Alpha and beta it would be almost like an off and on, or a, like if it was binary, it would be zeros and ones. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, in the chair, we have a different, a couple different feedback systems. Because uh, we have, you know, noses we can smell and we have fingers we can touch things. But we don't have any internal senses that tell us what our brain waves are doing. So uh, what we do is we created some uh, feedback systems that provide information about what your brain waves are in a different way. So uh, the, first, the, most, the first one that's most obvious is the training screen. And there you can actually see the raw brain waves. Uh, and also you can see another line that indicates what your level of attention or relaxation is. So how much you're in beta or how much you're in alpha. And so as you concentrate, the line moves up, and as you relax, it moves down. And then uh, the next system is audio, and that's uh, some speakers next to your head that have music and sound that changes with your brain waves. Um, and it's sort of difficult to explain, but usually it gets you know, more intense or, or, or faster as you go into concentration or, and slower or less intense as you relax. Okay, so you're training people to... It's like biofeedback. Uh, you're training people to emit uh, either alpha or beta and how to recognize... Of that uh, okay. So once they've they've more or less mastered uh, relaxation and concentration, or or, or uh, alpha and beta waves, then what happens? Yeah. So uh, well, they sit in the training chair for about three minutes, and then once they've got it, they move. Uh, we push the button on the back of their chair, and that sets them into live mode or active mode, and that is where they're actually connected to the CN Tower, the Parliament Buildings, or Niagara Falls. And when you and say they're connected, the... how are they connected to, to the to the CN Tower, for example? 
Okay, so with the CN Tower, um, the more you concentrate, the faster the lights will spin and the brighter they go up and down the antenna and elevator shaft, and the more relaxed you are, the slower they are. And what's happening is uh, the headset is uh, measuring the electrical energy coming out of your head and sending that uh, via Bluetooth, actually, to a computer that's in the pod. And the computer in the pod does a co uh, complicated mathematical analysis and, and figures out what percentage of the brain's energy is in, what, in these particular frequency bandwidths that correspond to alpha and beta waves. Um, so then you could think of it like, uh, like the radio. Um, anywhere you're sitting, there's radio stations all around you. And if you just put up an antenna and tune it to the right station, you can measure the volume on that station. Right. So what we do is we can measure the volume on these two stations. There's an alpha station, which is like 4 hertz, and there's a beta station, which is like 7 to 9 hertz. And uh, the more output you go into alpha, the higher that number gets. And that, that once it becomes a number in the computer, we, we just send that number over the Internet. And there's a computer at uh, the CN Tower that receives it and translates it into a command that can be understood by the lighting system. And also a, uh, a similar uh, computer and system set up at uh, the Parliament buildings in Ottawa and in Niagara Falls. Is that right? Yep. Yep. There's, uh, in Niagara Falls, there's one in the lighting tower, and in the front buildings, there's a, a bunker where they control their, um, they have their, their summer light show they do on the front of the building, and so we're just uh, interfacing with that system. Um, the Parliament building system is just a... Your average theatrical lighting system uses this BMX system, which, uh, you know, it's the same thing you'd see at a nightclub or at a rock show. Um, at the CN Tower, they have a really highly responsive color kinetic system that can actually uh, take in, you can play back video clips through the lights. And then on the um, on Niagara Falls, it's pretty amazing. They have old World War II searchlights that are just massive. They're about four feet across that, you know, beam onto the falls. And they have um, these colored gels that are actually physically raised and lowered in front of the lights. And uh, so that was a bit of a challenge interfacing with that um, sort of proprietary industrial control system. Trevor Coleman is uh, the COO of Interaxon, and uh, they've created an application for thought-controlled computing. Now just think of the, uh, the potential applications here. It's absolutely mind-boggling, and as we're speaking, Someone sitting in a chair in Vancouver right now, using their, their brain waves, is manipulating the lights of the CN Tower, the Parliament buildings in Ottawa, and lights shining on Niagara Falls. Absolutely astounding. Back with more. Stay with us. The lab gal, Dr. Patricia Doyle, will join us just around the corner uh, to discuss white-nosed bat syndrome. It's killing bats off in the Northeast. Some biologists are warning we could see complete extinction of bats in the Northeast of, uh, of North America. Uh, that's very dire. Uh, you'll recall several years ago, people were very worried about what was happening to the bees. Well, this is sort of the same type of situation because uh, obviously bats pay an integral part uh, in agriculture. They are, um, they are a natural pest control. Uh, an extraordinary, imagine trying to sit in your backyard if there were no bats. The, if you think the mosquitoes are bad now, wait till there are no bats. Uh, and also, bats also play a role in, in pollinization. Uh, they're um, very essential to, uh, to, to, to crops. And uh, I don't know what would happen to, 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 to uh, our species if there were no bats. Well, this white-nosed bat syndrome is a very scary situation. Dr. Doyle, the lab gal, will be here to discuss uh, and at the bottom of, uh, or at the last half hour of the program, the last half hour, 12.30 to 1 o'clock Eastern, uh, it'll be open lines. Anything you want to discuss, um, 
granted, it has to be something that we, you know, would normally tackle on this uh, program. Right now, we are uh, pleased to have Trevor Coleman, the COO of a uh, Toronto-based tech company called Interaxon, and their website is www.interaxon.ca. Let me spell that for you. www.interaxon, interaxon.ca, and uh, they're the, uh, the people behind thought-controlled computing and an exhibit out in the Ontario Pavilion at the Winter Olympics in Vancouver where you can sit in a chair, have electrodes attached to your, uh, your head, and uh, they teach you how to sort of control your alpha and beta waves, which your brain emits. And uh, that signal is carried east four or 5,000 miles to uh, the CN Tower, where the lights right now could be blinking as we speak, Niagara Falls or the Parliament buildings. Those, uh, those lights right now are being manipulated by human thought. Uh, Trevor... So if, right as we speak right now, it's 11.46 Eastern. I can't see the CN Tower from the studio, but if someone were to drive by right now, would they... I mean, is there someone sitting in a chair in Vancouver right now? Uh, not currently. Um, we are operating every day from about 10 a.m. Vancouver time uh, to around 6 or 7 at night. And uh, uh, between, between 6 and 8, it depends on what the programming in the pavilion is for the evening. Okay, because obviously um, it has to be dark here in the east, otherwise no one would notice the lights. Yeah, so from sundown, which is around 6 o'clock to around 10.30 or 11, that's, uh, that's when we have people controlling the lights there. Okay. If you're in Toronto and you notice that there's a, the radome, which is the uh, bottom of the first pod, going yes. up from the bottom of the tower. Yes. If you see that sort of spinning around, a spinning light, then that's usually that's the sign that that's us. That's someone sitting in the chair controlling with mm-hmm. their human thought. Now, maybe I'm, maybe I'm naive and I just don't read Wired magazine or something enough, uh, but to me, this is, this is lifted right off the pages of science, a science fiction novel. Or am I out of touch? Has this been around for a while? Well, uh, the technology, the EEG technology, which is the sensors that are actually able to read people's brainwaves, are about 60 years old. But your, uh, but your application. But your application. Yeah, the, the, but the thought-controlled computing is the new part, and, and, and the reason why it's happened in the last few years, um, it, it was in the laboratories in 2003 when our teams first started working with it, um, and the reason why it's able to exist now in, in sort of a more public form is because the cost of the components has come way down, and you have companies making these incredibly easy-to-use uh, headsets. And, and also, at the same time as that's happening, the computers that are on the receiving end of these brainwave signals that actually do the analysis, they're increasing in speed. And so we're able to get much, uh, more, a much finer temporal resolution. So uh, whereas before uh, it would be very slow because of the amount of data that it has to process, now computers are able to handle that much faster. All right. Uh, let's focus on, on the future with this application. How far are we away from being able or someone being able to use this thought-controlled computing, let's say a paraplegic mm-hmm. uh, in a wheelchair, uh, to be able to control the, uh, the direction, the speed of, of their wheelchair? Uh, well, we're actually, that already exists. Um, if you look on the Internet, you'll find a couple of videos from different universities around the world. Um, right now, the state of the art is that there are people who are able to, using their brainwaves, and these are... This is sort of saying that these are people who have a, a web of electrodes on their head, and they're very highly trained users who have been using this particular system for a long time. Are able, to, uh, but they're able to control a mouse cursor on a screen, and click on things just the same way that uh, you or I would with a mouse. So, 
So it literally thought controlled computing. They can they can move the cursor on the screen with their with their brainwaves. Yep. Now I, you said that would take some training because with the lights, as we we indicated, it's simply on off. Uh, it's alpha and beta waves. It's pretty rudimentary. Uh, yeah. But for fine motor uh, skills, yeah, I would imagine. What what other brain waves would you then be utilizing besides alpha and beta for, to do something well, like? Well, when you are doing something with that kind of uh, spatial detail, then what you need to do is um, uh, then you actually use multiple electrodes, and you're not reading alpha or beta waves. Alpha and beta waves are very general waves that happen throughout the whole brain. So it's it's, it, it's very uh, it's the summation of all the energy from all the electron uh, all the neurons rather. Um, when you do that more specific stuff, you actually have, say, 128 electrodes on the head. And then what you're able to tell is which part of the brain is active at any given point. And so you can say, oh, the, you know, the, um, it, it's about spatial resolution within the brain. And so the, because everyone's brain is different and um, people have differently sized areas, so a piano player will have much larger areas that deal with his hands than a normal person would, so that's why you need the time for the... It's not training the user, although that's part of it. It's more training the system to know that for this particular user, this kind of thinking means left and this kind of thinking means right. Absolutely uh, astonishing, though, still. And I, I, I'm still uh, so excited about this. That, like, How far are we, if you can answer this, how far are we from, let's say, someone driving around, they've got their Bluetooth, and they suddenly remember... They've forgotten to set the, the, the alarm in the house, the security alarm, or maybe they forgot to turn the stove off. Meanwhile, they're 100 miles away on the highway. To be able to simply, I don't know, using their Bluetooth or some similar communication device, think back uh, or using the brainwaves, uh, uh, contact their house and, and turn on the alarm or turn off the stove using their brainwaves. Well, I mean, that's a pretty difficult task um, because I think... If you think about it now, even without brainwaves, if you were 100 miles from home, if you can't turn on and off your home alarm. Or you can, but you have to do a lot of setup work in order to make it accessible to the Internet and the passwords and things like that. Um, so I would say that's probably still quite a ways off, probably 30, 50 years, something like that. Um, but what's a lot closer in the sort of 5- or 10-year range is the idea of a stock-controlled home where inside of your house you could look at a light um, and the light will be able to track your, like, the, your house will be able to track your gaze, so it knows where you're looking, and you look at the light, and then you could think on or off and have it turn on or off. Um, that certainly beats the heck out of the clapper, doesn't it? Do, do you remember that <laughs> tacky so, uh, commercial for the clapper, clap on, clap off? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you literally turn lights on and off in your house, Then uh, I, would, I would imagine that you could turn off just about any appliance in your house if you were there physically, right, by just by thinking or looking at it? Yeah, I mean, you're, it, it, the home makes sense because in the home, you know, you're in your home more than anyone else's. Uh, well, I, if you live, I know I am. It depends on where you live, I guess. But um, the, that's why the home would be the first place because it would be able to. Would, you're familiar. You're familiar to it, and so it can recognize your face, can tell where you're looking, uh, that sort of thing. Um, when you get into being outside in the world, you know, uh, because every person is different, just it would be it would be that much more difficult to interpret signals or something because we wouldn't have that familiarity with the, the person who's uh, who's using the system. It'd be, a, it'd be a new person every five minutes. Right, right. Well, listen, um, I hope uh, Interaxon makes a, uh, a lot of money off of this, but also I guess I'm, I'm, I'm more hopeful that uh, uh, the applications in the not-too-distant future are going to uh, 
to, to benefit us all, particularly, uh, and I, I think immediately of, of uh, you know, people like uh, quadriplegics or paraplegics and, and some of the applications there, being able to control a computer if you're a paraplegic or a quadriplegic, rather, uh, with, your, with human thought. This is absolutely mind-blowing. And uh, Trevor uh, Coleman, I thank you, and uh, we wish you all the best. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. All right. Interaxon and uh, the website www.interaxon.ca. If you go to richardserrett.com, and uh, we're linked up to their site there as well. When we come back, uh, well, Patricia Doyle is standing by. She'll uh, tell us about white nose bat syndrome uh, in a few moments. Hope you'll stay with us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Next week on the program, Marshall Vianne Summers, The Great Waves of Change, How to Prepare for the Coming Economic uh, Climactic uh, Catastrophes and, uh, and other uh, things. It's a rocky road ahead, but uh, Marshall Vianne Summers says... Uh, uh, remain hopeful, and uh, he has sort of laid out a, a plan in this book uh, how to, to get us all through it, uh, if in fact that's where you think we're headed. Uh, and uh, with that in mind, if you go to the website richardserrett.com, richardserrett, S as in Simon, Y-R-E-T-T dot com, uh, this week's uh, poll question just up uh, this evening is how do you feel about the state of the global economy? And here are your choices. How do you feel about the state of the global economy? Steady as she goes, we're slowly climbing out of this mess, but it'll take time. That's number one. Your second choice is recovery. What recovery? This is a false recovery fueled by government spending. Number three, what me worry? We've seen downturns like this before and we'll bounce back. And finally, it's grim. This is nothing like we've seen before. We're on the brink of a worldwide depression that will make the dirty 30s look like a walk in the park. Steady as she goes, recovery, what recovery, what me worry, and it's grim. Those are your four choices. How do you feel about the state of the global economy? Now, let me click on results and see if we have any early uh, returns here. Uh, well, it's very early going. Uh, 50, 50% of you are saying recovery, what recovery. This is a false recovery fueled by government spending, and 50% are saying it's grim. This is nothing like we've seen before. We're on the brink of worldwide depression. I... Uh, I'm not going to tell you how I, uh, how I voted. I actually do vote and participate on my own online polls just to get the ball rolling, but uh, I'll, maybe I'll divulge that later. All right, richardserrett.com, the website. That's your portal to the uh, Conspiracy Show. And uh, that tells you what's coming up on the program. And if you want to listen to past shows, there's an archive there. Also, on the right-hand side, you will see a banner ad for talk radio. Learn how to produce, write, and host in the talk radio and talk TV, TV industry, and if you click on there for more details, you'll learn that we are now offering April classes beginning Thursday, April the 8th, and running for consecutive uh, uh, 13 Thursdays. It's a 13-week course, 39 hours, and the deadline for April uh, is Friday, April the 2nd. And... Uh, you can uh, find out all about it, uh, again, by clicking on Talk Radio on the uh, Richard Serrett website. It's offered at the Toronto Media and Film College in downtown Toronto. And uh, for more details, you can either contact the college through their website, Toronto Media Film College, 
Toronto.com, Toronto Media Film College.com, or you can email me through the website richardserrett.com. All right, we have uh, Dr. Patricia Doyle standing by, and uh, we'll pick it up on the other side with her, the lab gal, our armchair investigator tracking emerging viruses, diseases, deadly pathogens around the globe, and she is very concerned about what is happening to our bats. We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You eat like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off. Brainwashed in our childhood. Brainwashed by the school. Brainwashed by our teachers. And brainwashed by all the rules. Brainwashed by our leaders. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. About two years ago in Vermont, some uh, local biologists started to notice that the the bat population was uh, in steep decline, and uh, they discovered in uh, some bat caves... In, uh, in Vermont, that uh, there's a rather strange uh, illness had taken hold. Uh, and these bats, uh, well, they, they call it white-nosed bat syndrome. And uh, since then, uh, this mysterious ailment has spread. And now biologists, some biologists, let me uh, caution, it's only some, but some are actually warning we could see an extinction of bats on the entire northeastern seaboard or the entire northeastern portion of North America. And white-nosed bat syndrome, for my Canadian listeners, is heading this way. Something wicked this way comes. Now, not all of you are bat fans. Uh, I happen to be. I, I think they're an amazing uh, little critters, and I love to sit outside on the back porch and watch them do their aerial aerob, uh, acrobats and, and uh, keep the uh, pesky mosquito population down. If you're uh, not a fan of mosquitoes, then you ought to be a fan of bats. But what's happening with bats? And uh, we're about to find out. Uh, I'm so delighted that uh, she's uh, she's well and able to join us. Uh, she is a retired doctor of veterinarian medicine. She holds a PhD in business administration and tropical agricultural economics from the University of the West Indies. And today she spends her days riding her motorcycle, rehabilitating injured deer on her farm in upstate New York. And uh, she is an expert in uh, um, anthropod-borne illnesses. She has a keen interest in bioterrorism and chemical weapons and she's dedicated uh, her life to researching and tracking emerging diseases and viruses, especially zoonotic diseases such as the avian influenza. And uh, we're happy, as I say, to have Dr. Patricia Doyle back on The Conspiracy Show. Hello, Patricia. 
Well, Richard, it's a pleasure to speak with you. And I must say to all of my friends in Canada, you have really outdone every country in the world with the Olympics. I think it was spectacular, the opening ceremonies with one of my favorite people, K.D. Lang, uh, uh, was just just wonderful, just spectacular. Uh, yes, with her rendition of, uh, of uh, Leonard Hallelujah. Cohen's Hallelujah, yes. Oh, I just thought that it just was marvelous, marvelous. Uh, I'm dying to see the closing ceremonies to see what uh, they come up with. But, um, well, in any event, uh, congratulations. Job well done, Canada. Okay, well, we appreciate it. Yes, they, they, they've, been, uh, they've been very well uh, staged thus far. Now, uh, Patricia, I'm, uh, I'm so happy uh, that uh, you're on the mend, and uh, I know a lot of people were concerned when uh, uh, we were scheduled to have you on the program the last time and you weren't well enough to participate. Yeah. Uh, and, but very quickly, how is your health now? I'm doing much, much better, and I'm looking forward to spring and to getting out on my motorcycle of course, my eyes are not improving, but um, this may be my last summer dri- uh, driving and riding, but I'm going to enjoy it anyway, and I may uh, end up uh, your way this summer. Oh, well, terrific. Well, if you're I'll coming up this way, posted. please do. Yeah, we'd love to have you. Yeah, now I did want to say about bats that they are, I, I love bats. I've always loved bats. Me too. I love to watch them in early morning. Um, the, the way they fly, they are just spectacular. And I love to watch them eating up all those pesky mosquitoes. But bats are very, very important in, uh, in nature. And, Richard, I do believe that we're going to see this white nose syndrome uh, spreading. Uh, scientists don't even know what it is yet. They don't know if if, if the fungus, the um, uh, I wrote it down, the Geomyces destructans. That's what this type of fungus is. They don't know if that is the entire the causative agent, or if there is an underlying uh, pathogen that causes this opportunistic type uh, infection with the, uh, with the um, fungus. So, uh, in other words, in other words, they don't the, know. In other they words, uh, Patricia Doyle, it's, it may not be the, the, the white-nosed uh, syndrome that's actually killing them. That could just be a, a, uh, a symptom of something, some other underlying thing. Something, yes. Okay, but so... the fungus, what it does, though, the fungus um, does make the bats... Uh, deplete their energy stores, and normally during winter, bats uh, will wake up every couple of weeks and kind of stretch their wings and maybe even fly a little bit around the cave and then go back to hibernating. But with this uh, fungus, what they do is uh, every uh, four to five days, they get up. It, it seems to irritate the bats because it is. It's on the muzzle, it's on the ears, and it's on their wings. And um, bats will get up, and then when they're up, because they've had this uh, fungus, they, they feel hungry. Their energy stores uh, is, uh, has been uh, gone through, and they will go out in search of food. And uh, what happens is they leave the cave, 
and they freeze to death or they starve to death uh, in search of food. Um, they, in, I know in Vermont they're asking people if they see any bat activity during the winter time. They see bats flying or sickly. They're asking people to call the Fish and Wildlife Service and to report the bat sighting and where you saw the bat. And um, this this is very very important. In, even in areas where the syndrome hasn't hit yet, uh, we, we have it in about 11 states now. It began in uh, Howe Caverns in New York, and that cavern is an international tourist attraction. I've been up there, and believe me, they crowd as many people into those elevators that they can get. And uh, when they, people go down, they go into, the, uh, into a little boat. And um, I'm claustrophobic, so I didn't make it down the elevator, especially when I saw the people uh, standing uh, elbow to elbow and uh, practically in each other's arms. Uh, that was it for me. But they, the people go down, they're in these boats, and I'm not sure if there's walking involved, too. And um, it, it's a lot of traffic, so that would be the, the type of cave that uh, that really would encourage uh, some sort of a pathogen like uh, this uh, fungus. What about bats that don't reside in these uh, these caves? Uh, uh, you know, on by the hundreds of thousands. I'm glad uh, you brought that up. Uh, early one December morning, uh, a couple of months ago, I was driving and I noticed a bat flying, uh, kind of frantic in circles, searching for food. Now, there are bats that reside under Interstate 84. There's um, like a tunnel, a drainage tunnel, and I I believe that the bat came from there. Um, They're not even sure that people are spreading the uh, fungus. Some some scientists believe it. Uh, That's the case. But um, it, it looks more like it's going bat to bat. One scientist came up with the theory that it could be bat flies. Um, there are uh, what they call bat flies that uh, kind of live in the hair of the uh, bats, and they may be uh, going bat to bat and spreading the fungus, or uh, somehow in, in uh, contact, bats in uh, close contact are spreading it bat to bat. Um, there's, there's just so much that people don't know. And when you think about it now, it, this is going, it, it skipped into Tennessee. We have it, it started in 2006 up in Howe Caverns in New York. Um, then it went to uh, Vermont, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania. In 2009, it went into New Jersey. Now, there are some of the biggest uh, bat caves in New Jersey that have 100% mortality, Richard. Think of that. Every single bat wiped out, as in Vermont, Dorset Cave, 100% mortality. Uh, We have it in New Hampshire, Virginia, West Virginia, now Tennessee. And all all bat species are affected? Brown bats and uh, whatever other bat? I I don't know my... The Indiana bat. Mm -hmm. There's 900 types of bats. (laughs) But um, in the Northeast, we have mostly the uh, little brown bat, 
Uh, in fact, I had a lot of bats in my uh, attic in the uh, where you have the ventilation, and we had bat houses I put up, and um, the ones that were around here are the little brown bat, and we have the Indiana bat. Now, what's two tricolor bats in Tennessee is really um, a jump. It went from Virginia, West Virginia, and then into Tennessee. It kind of skipped over Kentucky, or it's in Kentucky and hasn't been identified yet. Um, and you say it's coming to Canada. We'll, uh, we'll uh, pick up on that. North. What it is, it's heading in Vermont now. The, the uh, pattern of spread is heading north. So uh, I, whether people are spreading the uh, fungus or not, I think it's important to close the caves. All right, let's uh, take a time out. We'll come back. Dr. Patricia Doyle is with us on The Conspiracy Show discussing the possible extinction of bats in certain parts of North America a very frightening prospect for us. Stay with us. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. In about 15 minutes' time, we'll open the phone lines wide open, and if you have... uh Anything you'd like to discuss that is something we would discuss on this show, conspiracies, cover-ups, political subterfuge, paranormal, supernatural phenomena, then uh, we'll make the the phone lines available to you again for the last 30 minutes of the show. 416-360-0740. You might want to get in early and start uh, dialing, I would say, in about 5, 10 minutes. 416-360-0740 and toll-free from just about anywhere, one 866-740-4740. 866-740-4740. 866-740-4740. Right now, Dr. Patricia Doyle, our lab gal, uh, is with us discussing, among other things, white-nosed bat syndrome. Not an exaggeration, then, uh, Patricia, to suggest, as some biologists have, that we could be looking at the total extinction of all bats in northeastern North America? Yes, Ryan uh, Smith, uh, who is a biologist for the state of Vermont, he said it's quite possible we're looking at extinction, uh, an extinction-level event, the extinction of bats in the Northeast. Now, there is a suggestion. Uh, I was doing the Rents radio program, and Jeff Rents brought up an excellent idea, the use of ozone generators. We wouldn't be able to save all the bats, but I think that that is excellent. If anyone out there is listening, and you're in the decision-making uh, uh, of uh, Fish and Wildlife, I think that it's, a, it's doable. At least maybe they can either prevent um, the adjacent caves that are not infected from becoming infected by using some ozone generators. And I did check it out. They do have industrial... Uh, ozone generators. Explain the, the rationale here. Uh, ozone generators, how would that save the bats? Well, it, it, an ozone generator um, is known to uh, clear out fungus, and um, I use it in my home, and uh, not just uh, for odors, but for um, uh, all kinds of pathogens. It, it kills them, and they also can use the ozone generator um, with 
IV, um, the uh, UV rather, um, some sort of UV uh, light. I think that it could be done in uh, maybe some smaller caves, which might help. Of course, uh, I don't know very much about them, um, and that's something that people in the decision uh, process, involved in decision process uh, would have to discuss. Uh, they are grappling at straws. Uh, we know that in New York uh, they tried to use um, antifungal treatment. They, they uh, went up towards uh, Albany. Uh, it was on the edge of the Adirondack Mountains into an iron mine, and they managed to get 250 bats, and um, they used an antifungal solution on them. And then they're going to go back when, uh, in the spring and see if uh, it helped. Um, they, they really they have no idea how to treat this and, and the scope of it. Uh, you know, Richard, you think about these bat, uh, bats in, now in uh, Tennessee, where you got 9,000, over 9,600 caves, and these caves uh, house more than 100,000 bats in each cave. Um, that's, that is really a phenomenal amount of bats, and how do you treat that? Um, you can't take each individual bat in a situation where you've got 100,000. Now, we've been losing uh, approximately each cave that becomes infected with this thing loses 95 to 99% of their bats. And as I mentioned, in some caves in New Jersey and in Vermont, they lost 100%. They went back uh, this year and in New Jersey and found there were no bats at all. Now, worst case scenario, uh, mm -hmm. Patricia, if bats were to become extinct in northeastern North America, <laughs> what would that mean? I mean, has anyone done any calculation on, on what that would mean for mosquito populations? Oh, I can tell you. Um, well, you figure uh, the, the single little brown bat eats between 3,000 to 7,000 mosquitoes uh, in an hour. An hour. 3,000 yeah. to 7,000. One brown bat. Yep, and they also, they, these bats are going, there's going to be impact on farming because bats also uh, pollinate some crops and plants. Uh, they disperse seeds, um, and uh, they, they eat the, um, the plant pests, the little insects that cause uh, plant diseases. Sure. So when you don't have the bat, uh, the uh, farmer will have to use the plethora of pesticides, which means that there, that will impact human health, and it will also impact the wildlife. So we could see other die-offs, as we saw with the uh, bees. So, um, it, you know, if you lose bats, uh, it's going to be a major, major uh, altering event. Do you, for, Especially if this goes into the Midwest, uh, and the Plain States and up into Canada where uh, the, the farming is located, we, we could see critical food shortages. 
just because of the disappearance of, uh, of that. A, a creature that many, many, uh, yeah. this, you know, this despise. And... Richard, this is spreading. Uh, I'm surprised that it's not in Kentucky. Uh, it might be in Kentucky and just uh, and identified it. Um, they Thus far, we, we only found two bats in Tennessee, but I'm sure with 9,600 caves that there are other caves uh, that have uh, this fungus. And uh, we're, we're, there are so many places where bats uh, hibernate that humans don't uh, even know about that we can't count the losses. It's impossible to say that we, we they, they said, uh, in fact, in 2007, we supposedly lost a million bats then. It's hard to count um, when they're only counting the big, uh, the major commercial caves. Sure. But they can't get in and count like under I-84. Or people's um, attics. a or... lot of mines where right. bats hibernate. The, the toll must be staggering. Now, if, I know you've tracked uh, West Nile uh, right. uh, every year, and uh, in fact, you, I believe you had contracted West Nile. Uh, no. You did not. Ah, I okay. I did not have West Nile. That, that's one I haven't had. One of the had. few you Please. haven't had. All right. But, Please. <laughs> uh, well, I certainly don't wish that upon you, uh, or yeah. anyone for that well, matter. Well, I have a lot of bats here, and uh, they did keep down the insects. And since the bats have gone, and I haven't been seeing them, uh, there were no bats last summer, the insects were terrible, horrific. But will you, would, will you, will you be anticipating a spike in West Nile this year because yes, uh, of the they, lack of bats? Yeah, not, not just uh, Pat Doyle said it, but uh, they anticipate a spike in, uh, in a lot of vector-borne uh, illnesses, mosquito-borne illnesses. And um, Lord help us if we have more cases of malaria of, you know, from time to time in Virginia, out in Long Island, we've had malaria cases. But um, if mosquitoes are allowed to proliferate uh, and because there are no bats, uh, there will be a lot of uh, mosquito-borne uh, cases. Last year, they were up with St. Louis encephalitis. In fact, the Northeast had an awful lot of um, Eastern equine encephalitis cases. All right, uh, Patricia, hold on. A few final notes when we come back, including a possible cure for Chagas disease. Dr. Patricia Doyle, the lab gal, here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Now would be a good time to get on board for our open line segment coming up in about five minutes. 416-360-0740. Sorry, 0740. 360-0740. And toll free from just about anywhere, 866-740-4740. 866-740-4740. 740. Dr. Patricia Doyle stays with us for a few moments yet. Uh, Chagas disease, uh, uh, Dr. Doyle, you've, uh, you and I have talked about it uh, many times right. over the years, but for those uh, not in the know, what is Chagas disease? Well, it's a parasite. Um, it's the American trypansome uh, disease. And um, what the bad news is, Richard, is that now in Arizona, that local reduviate or kissing bugs um, have become infected with Chagas. 
And that means if they bite people, uh, people in Arizona will become infected with Chagas disease. We saw this happen in Louisiana and Texas, where uh, now it's uh, locally acquired. And uh, is it it's fatal? A bad disease. What it is is that you get bit, you get nauseous and vomiting and fever, and then it seems to go away. But it doesn't. It's like hepatitis C. It's in your body. It's eating into your uh, gastrointestinal system and into your heart, uh, your circulatory system. And then uh, for maybe 10 years, 20, 30 years, some as much as 40 years, um, you feel okay. You don't know that it's killing you. And then all of a sudden, 30 years later, you have a heart attack and you're dead. And um, there, there are a lot of people that have this disease down in South America, Central America, um, in, in areas where uh, people don't have uh, good housing. The, the uh, reduviate bugs live within the cracks and crevices in these homes, and they come out at night when people are sleeping, and they like to uh, bite around the uh, corner of the lips. And ergo, the name kissing bug. And when they uh, bite, they suck the blood. And after they suck the blood, they're not very nice. They defecate. And people get this, like, feel a little itch, and they scratch. And then the, um, what happens is, is that they scratch the, uh, what did the uh, bug defecated into the uh, cut. And um, that's how the parasite gets into your body. Charming. Charming. And people just don't know. They think they might have had a 24-hour virus because they're okay. And then before you know it, 30 years later, uh, they're dying of uh, heart conditions. How many heart attacks go are, are undiagnosed as actually Chagas disease? I don't disease? know because they are undiagnosed. It's very hard to tell. In the United States, they're not looking for it. And they certainly wouldn't be looking for it up in Canada. But um, Are there kissing bugs up here in Canada? I, I don't know. They're in Kentucky. We have them in Kentucky, the Reduviant. Uh, it's not the same species as you would find in Mexico, but there are, uh, we do have uh, the same type of bug, and the bug is able to, uh, to carry the parasite. They, they've proven that in uh, various research uh, with mice. Okay, but now, now uh, there there are uh, claims that a, a cure for Chagas disease might be near. Tell us about that. Well, I put a question mark on that. Um, what what the University of California San Francisco would like to do is uh, to try uh, protease inhibitors. These are a class of drugs that they use for HIV/AIDS. Um, why they would think it would work on the parasite? I don't know, <laughs> uh, but, well, let's hope it does because um, they, it's a problem. And uh, as you know, um, in California, in Los Angeles, uh, they found that there were, was 20% of the blood uh, a few years back. They found tainted with Chagas disease. So now they have to test uh, the blood donors to see if they have the parasite. So it is really a um, emerging disease in the U.S. And um, if if it's in Kentucky, 
they these uh, bugs do overwinter, and uh, they might. And and again, Patricia, it, it, before we go, it could just take one bite from this kissing bug. That's all. And then thirty years later, you could have a heart attack. You can have a heart attack, or or some people are so disabled they can't work, and um, it's 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 really a serious disease. My word! All right, uh, Doctor Doyle, listen. Um, Best of health uh, to you for the rest of the winter, and uh, let's let's stay in touch. Please uh, yeah. let me know how things are going with you and your family, health-wise and otherwise, and we'll uh, continue to track this white-nosed bat syndrome, which yeah. is just a very daunting prospect. Imagine uh, bats becoming extinct well, in North what America. What we need is somebody to really become an activist for the bats, and uh, so that people understand... Uh, because people that hold the purse strings, uh, they don't see bats as fuzzy. They they see them as uh, you know the the old uh, uh, a kind of a Dracula type thing. You right, know, right. The, uh, yeah, they but, definitely uh, have a bad rap. There's no yes, question about yeah, that. Yeah, and they shouldn't have. And um, they they are really holding the purse strings very tight on research, and we really need to try these things to. Stop. At least stop the spread of it. All right, I've got a bumper sticker. Canada. I've got a bumper sticker in mind. It's, have you hugged a bat today? What do you think? <laughs> I like it. All right. Uh, Send all, me one. All right, all the best, Patricia. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Dr. Good Patricia night. Doyle is the lab gal, and she joins us from time to time here on The Conspiracy Show. All right, now until 1 a.m. when we dim the lights and say goodnight, it's open lines on uh, the program, and uh, the numbers, once again, 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, and toll-free from uh, just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740, 866-740-4740, and let's pick it up with another good friend of the program and a regular uh, uh, contributor, and that would be Mr. Nelson Thal. Hello, Nelson. Yes, great being here uh, again, Richard. How are you? All right. Have you recovered from Team Canada's loss? Yes, totally recovered. (laughs) All right. All right. (laughs) So what is going on in your world, my friend? Well, there's just so much going on, but certainly covering this global warfare, which I've been doing, ongoing global warfare, which they cover up, is certainly this week been of interest, especially with the... um, with the uh, Russian uh, earth, the earthquakes in Russia and China, and uh, the mudslides elsewhere, and this uh, this uh, Canadian team teens that were adrift off of Brazil, uh, a ship hit a so-called freak mid-Atlantic storm, and when you start to see them talk about microbursts, you know that they're trying to cover up uh, all these tit-for-tat battles back and forth using both high-tech weaponry and low-tech weaponry. But uh, the so-called liars and whores of the oil-soaked, spy-riddled, monopoly press just won't connect the dots, Richard. Well, we should point out, Nelson, that uh, the article that I mentioned off the top of the show uh, that ran on the Saturday Globe, you also got or were featured prominently uh, in that article, the uh, the uh, the uh, the headline. Michael Posner's a, a wonderful uh, writer, and uh, uh, now we should keep in mind that the people that write the articles don't write the headlines. I thought the headline was interesting uh, of the article. It was uh, "Are conspiracy theorists infiltrating uh, the media?" And I was thinking, 
infiltrating. It's like we're skulking around the back door, you know, waiting to slip past security. Uh, I mean, I mean, I I, uh, I marched, you know, into the uh, the studio here right through the front door and, and with my held held high. There was no skulking about. Anyway, uh, Nelson, in that article, um, Michael Posner attributed to you uh, two new 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 terms. I, I think new words that should be uh, a part of the lexicon for all truth seekers, and that is harpaquake and harp uh, harpaquake and harpa. Uh, Harpicane, Harpicane, right. as in earthquake and and uh, hurricane. Uh, so, are you suggesting that the uh, the earthquakes, the one of them was uh, right on the Russian Chinese border, uh, that was caused by uh, Harp, the this installation up in northern Alaska that it supposedly blasts the ionosphere with radio waves, or and even this shipwreck off the coast of Brazil, which endangered the lives of some almost fifty Canadian students. This was caused by harp as well. Well, I don't think it was harp. I, as I said, both different types of weaponry. I think it was probably caused by some sort of a submarine or something. They planted something on the bottom of it. Um, uh, but, but certainly these these incidents. You know, the the insurance companies already have gone public and said. There's just too many accidents. The law of averages says that there won't be this many accidents. And let's remember, if you, uh, on my show, I always talk about we talk, stand on the shoulders of giants. And let's not forget that Defense Secretary William Cohen, back in 1997, said, quote, other terrorists are engaging even in an eco-type of terrorism whereby they can alter the climate, set off earthquakes, volcanoes remotely through the use of electromagnetic waves, unquote. He went on to describe that there's a, a eco-terrorism using these scalar electromagnetic weapons going on. That's the Defense Secretary, U.S. Defense Secretary William Cohen speaking. Not me, not you, but a man at the top of the pyramid. So this microburst that was the, 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 storm, the storm that supposedly capsized uh, this, uh, this, uh, this ship, this tall yes. ship off the coast of Brazil, and, and thankfully... some scalar cannon or some harp. And look, we had the earthquake in Russia and China. We know that financially we had the Toyota situation. And we now are learning that Mr. Obama <clears throat> has used his control over with the government and their purchasing of the automobile companies to change the legislation and the, uh, the legislation on safety issues. So all of a sudden what was... Uh, 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 was an accelerator pedal that was okay. Now they've changed the legislation, and now it's a problem. I mean, this is all part of the warfare. It's both high-tech, and they use financial warfare, etc., but these are all connected. Why, why, uh, why target a tall ship carrying Canadian high school students? Well, of course, I don't have to tell you that... Uh, Canada is a major player in the in in the in the drug trade. Our troops are protecting. Since our troops were sent to Afghanistan, they've never had a larger <clears throat> never had a larger crop of poppies than before. We're doing a wonderful job at uh, at uh, protecting the poppies and and promoting the drug trade. And it's from the drug trade that the the. Uh, <clears throat> Oh, but, but Nelson, let me just stop you there because a lot of American establishment gets a lot of its funds. Let me just stop you there because you know people gathered around the radio listening now are saying, "Wait a minute, I've got a, a son or a daughter over there uh, yeah. putting their life on the line, or maybe 
you know, I lost a family member fighting over there in Afghanistan. And so for them to hear you suggesting that they're only over there to protect the opium trade, it would be to be hurtful, to say the least. Well, it probably is. The truth hurts, and they can't handle the truth. But that's essence, that is why the Americans are in Afghanistan, <clears throat> is because of the drugs. This business about, I mean... Okay, no but the, okay so then we should be clear that the, there. We should be clear then that the, 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 the boots on the ground, the fine young Canadian and American they, soldiers, aren't aware then that that's what's going on, correct? They're not aware that that's the aim, but remember, a lot of them find out once they're there, and that's why there's a lot of, of, of when they return, uh, they're debriefed, and there's a lot of problems going on with allowing them to talk to reporters, and there's been a lot that have been been murdered at, once they've come back into the society, as you know. We keep track of the, the, the death list, and there's a lot of... Um, deaths of soldiers that have returned, and they say it's suicide, but they've just been suicided, Richard. Uh, now, on another note, yes. you know, Al- Alexander Haig died. Yes. I said all along... Um, Dr. Strangelove, some called him. He was Reagan's Dr. Strangelove. Yeah, he was deep throat, though. That's where they, they blamed it on a, uh, on a, somebody else. This was the real deep throat, and um, uh, he was the one... Uh, Haig uh, gave orders... Uh, that the commander-in-chief's orders, Nixon's orders, were not to be obeyed, and they were to be ignored. And um, that's a very important point, that he took command. And, of course, that is what's happened today. Obama's orders, according to the Supreme Court of the United States, the Pentagon does not have to obey his orders, and that it was given to the Supreme by the Supreme Court of the United States. But once again, these are not reported right now, Richard. They'll be reported in 20 and 25 years from now. State secrets that the ruling elite hope you don't learn. All right, and Nelson Thal, uh, you can be heard uh, Thursday nights? Thursday night, 9 o'clock at www.cloakanddagger.de or .ca. All right, Nelson, always... It's been uh, great being on here. There's just so many stories, Richard. It's, just, it, it, it's, it's bulging back. The, the, the battles backstage that they're trying to cover up are just so great. It's just bulging onto the front stage, and people can uh, keep an eye on it and report it as well and start to see it as well. All right, my friend. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Nelson Thaw. There you go. Uh, all right, let's uh, pick it up next with Doug here in Toronto. Hello, Doug. Good morning. Hi, Doug. Hi, I mean, hi, Richard. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Yeah, that's good. Um, I have a conspiracy theory, like how people have called in about Elvis Presley and uh, John Lennon. Right. Well, I've been, I've been um, watching the movie uh, a lot, Bruce Lee, Enter the Dragon, and I'm a big Bruce Lee fan. And when he died in 1973, I find it very strange that, um, that the way how he died was that they said there was too many blows to his head which can happen to anybody and get concussions, but you don't die automatically. The woman who was looking after Bruce Lee when he lied down for the evening after coming in from dinner from somewhere, later a few hours found him dead. I thought I heard somewhere along the line that that she gave him some kind of medicine to like um, ease the pain away from it. He was complaining of headaches, was he not? Yeah, complaining about headaches, yeah. And I find it strange that years later, his son Brandon, when they were doing the the movie The Crow, that they were supposed to be using blank bullets during the filming, 
and then he w- and then he was also shot and killed as well. So you're suggesting that they were knocked off? Yes, I think they were because I think like karate to the Chinese is very sacred, and also how Bruce Lee, as a child, got thrown out of schools and also got in trouble with the police. I feel that the Chinese did not really respect Bruce Lee or appreciate him teaching karate to people over in America and, and uh, other parts of, um, of the world and other countries, as they felt that was very sacred to him. They're very, very sacred to them, and I just find it very hard to believe that when he was getting, um, like he died before um, Bruce Lee even came out in the theaters. He wasn't able to see um, what he accomplished in the theaters, okay? And also, when, and like I said, anybody, most people like hockey players get concussions when they're hit in the head. They don't automatically die. It's very rare. And I find it very suspicious that, you know, the way how he died after coming in from dinner, then he was complaining about headaches. Granted, uh, I hear you, Doug. Granted, uh, uh, though, you know, some people have aneurysms and things like that that yeah. are uh, yeah. undiagnosed. I mean, there's no, unless you have a, you know, like a, a brain scan or something, they're never even detected. It could even be a some sort of a, uh, uh, something that you're born with and it, and it, and it doesn't actually, uh, uh, you know, affect you or kill you until yeah. much, much later. And who knows, even one just sort of seemingly glancing blow could could uh, loosen a clot or who knows. I mean, it, we are incredibly resilient, uh, but at the same time, we can be incredibly fragile. So, um, uh, hard to say, uh, you know. Yeah, it is, it is hard to say. I'd but... need some more sort of, I guess someone would need to, has anyone ever written a book about whether they think Bruce well, Lee was killed? Well, I looked killed on the or? computer on the Wikipedia and it said that, you know, his, his death was mysterious, which I always found it to be, too. Right. And he was only about 32, yeah. um, 33 years old. Like, I found him, even though I never met him, to be a very nice, quiet type of, like, person. And I just feel that, you know, okay, maybe it was by too many blows to the head. But then when I think about the way how his son Brandon died when they were shooting the film The Crow, and they were supposed to be using blank bullets, and this is when even the film wasn't even out, and right. all of a sudden his son dies. Yes, that one that one was a little stranger uh, to me, the way that, yeah, uh, that Brandon yeah. Lee died. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe, it's, uh, maybe it wasn't a conspiracy. Maybe it's a curse. Who knows? Yeah, it's a possibility. I've always thought maybe it, it's, a, I've always thought it's a conspiracy or it could be a curse, but I kind of think maybe it's more of a conspiracy. Because even when you watch the film Enter the Dragon, how he's trying to kill the head Chinese men in the end, that... Um, you know, how he said that it's very sacred that, that you offended my family, you right, offended right. the old Chow. And even though that's a movie, when you think about how they were trying to get this guy who was drugging women in the movie and, and also other people, and how um, he was trying to kill Bruce Lee, the way how Bruce Lee finally had to kill him in those mirrors and all that. I mean, sure, that's just a, a, a movie, but my feeling is, is that, you know, he could have died by too many blows to the head, but I kind of feel it's somewhere along the line that he was murdered. Like, I mean... All right, Doug, it's an interesting theory, and uh, if you get any more information on that, check in with us. Thank you for yeah. that. Okay, Bruce thank you Lee. Very much, Doug. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time, Richard. All righty. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Okay, let's say hi to... Is it Trina in Guelph, Ontario? Hello, Trina. Good morning. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Um, not too bad. Um, I was listening about the, the, um, what's happening with the bats, and I've been actually been aware of this because I, I watch on... You know, I've seen several programs about it on TV also. 
Yes. Since I only watch uh, anything that's worthwhile, like history or nature, or I watch CPAC, you know, because I want to know what's going on politically. But anyway, I have watched programs on this, and I'm just wondering if there's any relation, you know, between what's happening with the bees also, you know? That uh, that thought occurred to me as well. Uh, I mean, it can't, it wouldn't be the same disease. No, but I, um, I'm wondering if there isn't some, you know, some some relation there, like to why both of these animals that are so... Integral um, to pest control and, and yeah. agriculture. Yeah, it's almost like they're uh, barometers. Uh, uh, years ago, uh, people, uh, biologists, for example, were very concerned about uh, uh, the the frog population and how frogs were just seemed to be vanishing. Yes. Uh, and and of course, frogs are you know very important, obviously, for pest control and others. But they're they're a uh, they're like the canary in the coal mine. Um, uh, because I guess they're you know so lower so much lower down on the food chain, etc. Um, and now here we have, uh, as you say, bees, and now uh, bats. Uh, it makes you wonder, like how it, to me it just seems not a, it, like I don't believe in coincidences. I think that this is certainly a way to control the population through food. Oh, production. you think it's it's being engineered, that, that someone uh, has deliberately uh, set out to... a possibility. Hmm. You know, it's, it's a way to certainly control population because of food supply, right? It, it is, except it's a kind of a roundabout way to do it, I think. And why not? That's the best way of not getting caught at it, isn't it? Well, that's an interesting uh, perspective, Trina. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, and, um, wait, I have get one rid of the bees thing. and the bats, and uh, then perhaps let loose a uh, some sort of a, um, a mosquito-borne illness that won't exactly. be checked by the bats. Well, that's an interesting theory. And that's theory. what I was going to say. So then the drug companies, what's going to be next? Are we going to have to have a vaccine against malaria? And what will be in that vaccine? Trina, you're, uh, I can tell you're not getting many good night's sleeps. You're up, you're, the wheels are constantly spinning, and well, as they I should. Think one thing, I just think that always one thing sort of connects to another always. And I, like I said, I don't believe in coincidence. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.